Welcome everyone to another episode of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts and today I talk with Iconic Beats, who's a Melbourne-based producer and engineer. Uh, we talk a lot about collaboration and the value that collaboration brings to a project and also how working with different artists allows you to understand different recording and production techniques. This and heaps more on today's episode of What's That Sound podcast. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. Welcome again to another episode of What's That Sound. My name's Stu Watts. I'm here with Iconic Beats today. Welcome, man. Hello. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for for joining us. Yeah, yeah. How's your day been so far? Good, man. Good, good. Slow start. Yeah, slow start, (laughs) but yeah, we're here. Yeah, Yeah. love it, love it. Now, for uh, anyone that doesn't know who you are, let's give us uh, a bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you do in the music industry. Yep. Um, So I'm a mix mix master engineer and producer. Yep. Um, I started off, yeah, production um, and I got into that via starting DJing. So it kind of cool. like this natural progression. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so I've been probably professionally in the industry for about three to four years. Yep. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Take us back, man. Where did music like come into your life? It came into my life. I already like listening to music. I always had this feeling that like I wanted to know more about it. Like mm-hmm. it always hit me and I felt like it hit me differently to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then when I was younger, um, I just wanted to explore that. So, and then I just fell in love with DJing yep. by one of my cousins. He like, I used to go over their house probably once or twice a year. Yeah, he, he used to DJ parties and he used to have this setup. Every time we'd get there, I'd nag him. I'd be like, <laughs> "Hey man, can we go? Can we go play on the decks?" And then it's so yeah. funny. I had cousins that had drums and guitars, and I was yeah. like, exactly the same. Similar, I was like, yeah. "Can we just go in the back room and like just jam out?" Yeah, yeah. And it, I knew, I knew from then, like I had this crazy passion for it, and I loved it. And then I wanted to explore. And then, yeah, parents bought me my own little DJ controller. Sick. I was up all hours during the day, just like yeah, learning yeah. this thing, watching YouTube How old videos. Were you? Probably about 13. Yeah. I think it was for my 13th birthday. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. And then from there, I just, um, I wanted to start making my own music. So then I got Ableton um, and I was about 15 by this time. Mm. And then, yeah, all the way from 15 to now 25, I've been like producing and yeah, messing around with Ableton. Yeah, sick. And so like what were the um, influences back when you were younger, when you started to getting into music? The musical influences? Yeah. Um, it was mainly all the pop music that cool. you'd hear on the radio. Yep. Like your Akon, all that kind of cool. stuff that was popping off back then. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, specifically, I'm not sure who else, but mm. yeah, there weren't too – like early days when I was about – I think 15, 16, I was very in the EDM scene in yep. like Melbourne. I love mm-hmm. the EDM music. So that was like a big influence on me. Um, kind of like your Will Sparks, like yeah, all yeah. those like, because they were really popping off back then. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 And then I kind of wanted to follow that path. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny because it wasn't until I was about 18, a friend of mine drove me home from footy training one night. Right. And he plays me the J. Cole, the J. Cole's 2014 Forest Hills Drive album. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard a few songs come like driving home, and I was just like, "What?" Like yeah. I, I was kind of new to hip hop. Yeah, like, yeah. I I'd heard it before and all that, but that was kind of my first like love mm-hmm. to hip hop. Um, cool. And then from there, I'm like, 
I want to produce this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I started watching YouTube videos, started 100%. learning from other people and yeah, yeah, that's sick. That's sick. Kind of made that transition. And that's, and that's so you're still a teenager then, yep. you know, moving into you getting more serious about it. Mm-hmm. Was there like, you know, an obsession with music or, you know, what did it look like? Yeah. Um. So there was this point where it was about, so I'd always, I kind of feel like I always had the obsession when I started DJing mm-hmm. about 16, I'd do house mm-hmm. parties and whatnot. Yeah. That obsession was there, but it, it got real for me when, I kind of went from school to university because during school I was um, I was mainly playing sports and focusing mm-hmm. on footy and music was just like my hobby that yep. I would like do on the side. And sure. then it wasn't until, yeah, I went to university when I was about after school, so 18, and, yeah, I really fell in love with it. Like yeah. I, I entered a course thinking I was going to do music production. Right. But it was engineering. Okay. Yeah, and like this was like this – I had this whole misconception. Oh, I didn't even know. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yep. – and then like a few classes in, I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I actually really yeah, love this. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't even this? know. This is like Col Arts. Col Arts. Yeah, oh, okay, Col Arts. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, had this like crazy feeling. Like I loved it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, but yeah. once I started learning, I was like, yeah, I love this. And then I met people yeah. there and then we locked in and we kind of like collaborated and it just yeah, it went from there. Yeah. So the school experience, I like to – unpack that a bit because everyone mm-hmm. kind of has a different um experience at school and mm-hmm. some people you know find it useless some people yep. like really liked it for you what what yep. was school like um it was de- like i tell people all the time I'm like you can definitely learn most of this stuff on mm-hmm. youtube mm-hmm. or via collaborate like other people that you meet yep but i think the depth that they go into you can't learn that okay or you you can't learn as much right right um because the depth that they go into is just like another level. Like yeah. they really like the first year it was like teaching you the basics and they like just do an overview. And then the second yeah. year, cause it was a two year bachelor, mm-hmm. they really broke it down and like yeah. really went into it. And yep. like at that time, looking back, I didn't really have that much of a clue about mixing. I didn't, sure. I didn't think I had the ear for it. Like yeah, it took yeah, me yeah. a long time to build it, but yeah, like just the concepts, I feel like I'm glad that I went. Yeah. Cool. Because yeah. I think about it now. I'm like, I could have definitely learned yeah, a lot yeah. of this stuff off YouTube. Well, I think it's funny because when you're, I mean, I did sound engineering at NMIT. It was at the time it's called Polytechnic now, but okay, it was. I was a bit older. I was like 22, I think. Mm-hmm. I did one year of part time, and then I did two years full time. Yeah, and the part time I was just working as well, and. Yep. The teachers weren't great because it was a night class. I just, I don't know, mm. they just didn't have the better, the better teachers. So That's fair. It was funny. And then, yeah, the 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 full-time one. But, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting experience. And I think, like, what you can't get anywhere else apart from a school is that being around people that are really, well, most of them, not all of them, mm-hmm. are really mm-hmm. willing to learn and yep. really wanting to unpack stuff that they don't know much about. Yeah. And because you're constantly, you know, talking about the same concepts concepts together, yeah. you start to really you open your mind and wanting to learn and you don't get that if you're just watching videos exactly. on YouTube, for example. 100%. Yeah, you don't get that. But I also think it's funny when you're younger, you don't have necessarily the idea of the world around you and stuff. Mm. So you kind of don't really know how to study. Even though you've been in school, I don't know, there's something about it for me. I didn't know how to study and I didn't care to study. And so it was kind of, there was two sides to it, but yeah. 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 That's interesting. I think another thing I like, 
a big takeaway from uni for me as well is there was so like there was such a diversity in terms mm. of the music. So it's like our like certain teachers' backgrounds, they had like different backgrounds in certain kind of music. Yeah. And it's like with that, the students had a different background in mm. like the music they play, the music mm. they make. And it's like I was I was like open and I saw all yeah. of that kind of diversity and that yep. kind of yeah especially being mind. a coll arts because yeah. coll arts has got I would say I, I would say like places like RMIT and, and SAE and stuff are more dedicated in a sense of like they're very hands-on they're mm-hmm. very, but coll arts because it's such a yeah like you said a diverse range of people yeah. and a lot of like music um uh, theory and yep. you know those sorts of people that yep. that aren't necessarily in the technical mm. world. Yeah. yeah, you do get a little bit more of exposure Definitely. to, like, and just noticing from people coming to the studios here that mm-hmm. have gone to Coll Arts, mm. it's a very artsy. Yeah, place. It's kind of different. It, There's it something different is. about it, it. Yeah, it took me out of my comfort zone. Definitely, because mm. I'm, I'm more of like I, I like to think I'm more of a introvert, like mm. where in a social setting, if I don't know someone, I wouldn't really go out of my way and like make a whole scene. But yeah, yeah, it kind of opened my eyes and the whole listening to different genres was Mm -hmm. like big for me too Mm. because I was kind of boxed into my EDM, hip hop, pop. So I was kind of boxed into that. And then when you go to Collards, for example, you got people playing heavy metal. Yeah. You got people playing all these, yeah, Yeah. jazz, classical, all these crazy like genres that we like, different and new to me yeah yeah and it just opens your eyes to realize like how much more is out there and yeah how much more there is to music yeah for sure and Mm. so when did you start to understand i guess uh the production side of things and hone in on that world yeah so that um i learned the very basics um the very, very basics. I went and did a lesson. I remember this very clearly. I went and did a lesson with my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather took me. Yeah. And it was, I don't even remember where it was, somewhere east side. It was right. quite far. It was quite yeah. far. Um, it was like an hour and a half drive. And it was quite expensive too, but it was three hours with these dudes that were like big at the time. And they yep. were like EDM producers. Right. And they taught me like the basics of Ableton and how to do it in like three three hours. Sure. Very basics. And that's, um, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Then from there, I guess I was just like, I had this passion. I was like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah, like, yeah, I had yeah. this love. And then, yep. yeah, then it was just countless hours of like watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. and practicing and just like yep. learning and failing and whatever. And then, yeah, I think, I think it was just that really. Like after that point, which I would have been, honestly, I would have been about, 16 or just right. before I was 16. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah. When I had that lesson. So mm-hmm. from there, it was just countless hours. Yeah, of yeah, cool. And so the YouTube, was that you um, like watching producers that you loved or more like tutorials of, of randoms? It was, well, back then, it like I didn't it really. It was different back then, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah and I didn't yeah. really have like the producers that I loved, yeah. like, because I wasn't really that into it yeah, yet. I didn't yeah. know who the kind of producers yeah, were. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think it was just tutorials cause mm-hmm. there were a few people doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it was new back then, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it was new to do like the whole tutorial about yeah, music. Yeah, 100%. It was very new. Yep. So, and I found a few people and I just watched all their tutorials. And even though a lot of them were based on the EDM scene, like there was yep. much more based on the EDM world, mm-hmm. I kind of took what I learned and just implemented it when I made that transition mm-hmm. to like the hip hop. Yeah, because um, there wasn't much on hip hop no, back then. No, nah. and I don't think hip hop 
was as big as it is now. Oh yeah, like no. it's there's. I mean, it's obvious that it's not, but but it wasn't. It's it feels weird to put yourself back then because mm. the the scene, you know, learning social media, everything was different. Yeah, and and I think people started to really um, take advantage of you know that side of things probably only four or five years ago yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, I want to know like who are the producers for you that are like mm. your like go I like goats. Yeah. You know? Um. I think John Bellion is one that like I can say straight away, and he's a he's a pop artist. Yep. Um. But his production is just incredible. Cool. And even his songwriting. I love his songwriting, but production, yep. out of this world. Like he, he released an album, Glory Sound Prep, in 2018, I'm quite sure. Yep. When I heard that, because mm-hmm. I saw the teasers leading up to it, I'm like, right. when's he going to drop this? When's he going to drop this? <laughs> he dropped this documentary before, like a week before, and I love watched it. it all and I'm like, these guys are crazy because they were doing <laughs> crazy stuff. Like yeah, yeah, they yeah. weren't using presets from like VSTs. Yeah, they were yeah. recording everything yeah. and manipulating yeah. that to make their sense and all that. And I was just like, when I listened to the music, I heard it and I'm mm. like, how do I create that? Like, yeah. cause I, I was so intrigued by that. Um, but yeah, like John Bellion, um, Timberland, Pharrell, yep. Yep. Um, Kanye, yep. Russ, um, who else? Um, I think they're like the main ones. Yeah, I yeah. think that have really shaped my yeah. sound. I guess. I think there. Yeah, it's interesting that I mean, multiple people have said Timberland and Pharrell on mm. like on the podcast already, and this is only mm. the eleventh uh, episode. Yeah. But um, I think w- w- the thing about those names and the, yeah. and the reason why everyone picks them is because they, as soon as you hear something, you can pretty much tell. Apart from maybe Kanye, but even Kanye has a sound, but. Mm. But like all the other ones, like you, you know, when you hear those producers, you know away, they yeah. have their the sonic kind of aspect to it. They have some of the yeah songwriting aspect to it. It's it's very interesting though mm. because I listen to these these producers now and these artists, what mm. you want to call them, um, and like you hear them trying to reinvent their sound. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I like I believe they. They're obviously great at what they do, yeah. but I think because they were the first mm. to do that kind of mm-hmm. style, yep. it's like now hard when like you hear advice from them to say you have to get outside the box <laughs> and you have to try yeah. new stuff because it's like yeah, yeah. everyone's like done yeah. most things before yeah. unless you start reversing your whole productions and yeah. doing like 300 BPM. Like how are you going to be different? Because yeah. it's like everyone's well, it's pretty very much- very difficult these days and like especially in a genre like hip hop, it's like- um, yeah, it's it's very. I, I don't know how. I mean, mm. I guess it just comes down to experimentation and just trying different stuff, being with different people, and trying to find new inspirations from different places and stuff. But tell me about your production. Because I mean, mm. your productions. Like I've known you for a few years now, and I yeah. can see the expansion of your sound over yeah. those like last few years. Just listening to your your playlist that you sent through. That I'll have a link in the um, show yeah. notes to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, your sounds are like, I can definitely hear that, like the chops, yep. you know, the different sounds coming in every mm. bar, you know, yeah. all that sort of cool yeah. shit that that I love to hear in hip hop because I think Dope. the trouble with hip hop, and this is not a criticism on the mm-hmm. genre, it's mm-hmm. more the criticism on the ability to 
create your own sound is mm-hmm. like, I mm-hmm. love that when you can hear something new every bar and it's yeah. interesting and there's yeah. sounds coming from yeah. all different places yeah. and it's like, whoa, don't expect yeah. that. Yeah, tell yeah, me no, about that. I think that that all became like implemented for me. It was probably three or four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, I'd say. Mm-hmm. When I heard this interview with, have you heard of Max Martin? Yeah. The songwriter? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I heard this interview and he said, every four bars you want to introduce or Mm. remove an element. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like, for me, that was just like this light bulb moment. Cause I'm like, all right, let's try like, let's try to do that. And then at the start, when I learned that I was overkilling it. Cause I'm like changing sections every four bars. And it's it's like, how's an artist? Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. cohesive. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess over time practicing that, that's really stuck with me. So every time I'm producing and I have like this, somewhat final product yep. i think that always comes into my head i'm like oh sure. how can i spice this up how, can how I long does it take you and, to do a production um honestly like now i can it depends even mm. i mean rough ballpark i can get a song pretty much done within like an hour mm-hmm. um but it depends that's, if that's i'm crazy yeah if i'm using like a sample <laughs> and i'm chopping a sample yeah i could probably even do it quicker yeah but if i'm creating like my own chords and melodies yeah, yep, and whatnot yep, yep. it might take me yeah about an hour yeah, or yeah. depending how in depth i want to go and the genre too because yeah. like a lot of the trap music you can do it pretty quick sure the r&b stuff it's a bit different because it's right. like you gotta start thinking about like bridges and different breakdowns totally. yeah like yeah, a yeah. section b sections whereas yeah. like traps more just like eight bar loop Loop it, cut some drums, stuff out. 808, yeah. cut some stuff yeah. out. Yeah, put it I'm back sure in. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's yeah. much quicker for me. But yeah, the R and B stuff, which I love, and I'm diving yeah. into more. Yeah, um, yeah, it takes a bit longer. Yeah. Definitely. Now the artists that you work with, um, give us a give us a few names. We have got Nomad yeah. that you've yeah. been a long time collaborator um, with. We got Solly, Solly, Solly. Um, she's a dope R and B solo yep. artist. Um, George Meyer. Yep. Dope um, artist. R&B. Yeah, kind of, R&B. Yep. Um, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon Stone. Brandon Stone. Yep. Um, I'm getting back into the studio soon with Ogung Mango. Yeah, um, yeah. that latest, that, yeah, those yeah. newer tracks, they're fucking fire. They're yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who else? There, there's definitely a few. I'm working, I'm doing a lot of mixed work for Ali Eliadas. Okay, I don't yep. know how to say your name probably. Yep. Um, Alicia Gomez. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few people, but yeah, yeah, mainly these yeah. artists that you work with. Uh, do they seek you out? Have you met through networking? What's what's the deal there? Um, yeah, so most of the artists I work with, um, they've either like seek me out, or it's been yeah, like a natural kind of thing that happens yep. from networking. Yeah, it's kind yep. of like I'm at yep. this event, yep, see this artist, I'm yep. like, wow, and then yep. I'll, I'll reach out to him, or yeah. vice versa, I'll, I'll say hi to them when I'm yeah. there. And then afterwards they'd be like, oh, let's work or vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it happens. Yeah, really. that's awesome. Did that, we like when did you start to realize that that was a good way about going things? In terms of the networking? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I think it would it would have been about 2019 mm-hmm. when I was a part of this group called Day Hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they would always like be performing small gigs in the city. Sure, yep. And then it brought me out because before that, I was not really going to gigs mm-hmm, in the city. Mm-hmm. So it was that that brought me out that made me realize I'm meeting all these cool creatives yeah. from because they're playing as well. Yep. And it's like, yeah, why don't it's, I just is, go out a bit more? It is such a huge part of what a lot of people just don't understand is like one, one being in the right place at the right time, but just the um, natural 
element of meeting new people just because they're friends of friends, they're friends of mm-hmm. friends, they're at different gigs. You'd, you know, even at, you know, seeing, say, say you had like four artists that always play, always play gigs together. Even at different gigs, you're going to have different people rock up because their friends of friends are going to come and say, and it, they, these things like it's it's I can't explain it enough. Yeah, yeah. How important that networking side of of things is to meet new people Definitely. and to just to to find new artists yeah. to work with. Yeah, I think yeah. it's I think also with that, um, I think something people should know is like don't try to like oversell yourself. Like especially mm. if like you work like myself, you're mm. a freelancer and you really want to work with an artist that's at a gig. Mm. It's like just be you yeah. like don't try and be yeah, something yeah. else and don't try and be like yeah i'm like great at I'm what i do yeah i'm the producer. best because yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> no let the music and the baby. work speak for itself it's like you just come along you say hi like yeah and then let it all happen naturally if yeah. they like your work they're gonna reach out to you yeah so, absolutely yeah let's talk more about the sessions with these artists mm-hmm. that you work with do they do they have their own like kind of individual uh how am I trying to say it? With different artists, are there similar kind of aspects to the sessions or do they all kind of work differently? It's it's very interesting because um, like I'm just thinking about like a couple of different artists now and they're all different mm. like and they all have different needs and yeah, all this. So it's like one artist in our sessions, it's like we'll mainly do production mm-hmm. and mixing. Sure. The recording, they're going to do it on their own. Yeah, cool. Because yep. they've got that handled. Yeah. But then you got other artists that like they need you to do everything. So yeah. it's like they need you to record them, produce, yep. mix. Yeah. So yeah, you work with artists like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's other artists that you get that already have production and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, do you want to add something to it? I want your touch onto cool, it. And then cool. it's like add some touch and then they come in record vocals. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything's kind of different. Yep. And how often... Uh, would you say that like people really just want you to like put the final touches on things? Because I think that's one area that a lot of people don't really think of. I think like Mm -hmm. a lot of people just think that you do do things start to finish when Mm -hmm. they, you know, only see the tip of the iceberg. They're like, yeah, of course you would go into the studio, record the vocals, record the beat and mix it all in one go. Like, isn't that how it works? You know what I mean? Like, Um, so how often is that, that final touches sort of. It definitely, it definitely happens often. Mm. Um, But I've noticed, yeah, I've noticed certain artists and I'd say mainly the R&B artists. Mm -hmm. It's like, there will be multiple collaborators Mm -hmm. on like a production. So it would be like, let's just say I start an idea, Mm -hmm. we'll shoot it off, send the files to someone else. Then they do something, send it back. I'll do, I'll make like reiterations Mm -hmm. of what they've done. Then maybe send it to someone else. Yeah. And then like get this whole collaboration process going. And it, and then, yeah, like if I'm ending, if I'm going to end up mixing Mm -hmm. the joint, they'll send it back and I might make my little final touches and then, yeah. Mix it. Yeah, um, I love it, that. It does happen often, but mainly with R&B artists I've cool. found, yeah. So do you feel like they have more of a handle on the recording? Uh, so or they songwrite themselves or yeah, like is yeah, that? Definitely. I think the recording process, it just varies yeah, between artists. Yeah, a yeah. lot of artists I work with now, they record themselves. Mm, and yeah. I think it was that well, COVID think, transition. Yeah, it is, yeah 100%. 100%. That mm. would have had a big 
a big influx of people going, I, I can't go to a studio. <laughs> so I've got to figure out how to do And yeah, you start off being shit and then you get feedback over time and you're like, ah, uh, maybe when you record yeah. it, put a pop filter in front of yes. it so there's no plosives. Maybe or, don't eat know. the microphone <laughs> yeah. too. That's a big one that yeah, I try yeah, like yeah. tell artists because I get files all the time and it just. Yeah, mm. well, like they put too much compression on because they yeah. think that's they're supposed to and or something like that. Yes, and then it's also. Oh, once you get those files, mm. they've got their requirements and what they want from it. And it's yep. like, can you make me sound like this Ariana Grande song? Mm. It's like, uh, maybe if you record it properly yeah. with like a better mic and yeah. a better this and a bit of that, yep. maybe I could, but yep. yeah, it happens a lot. And it's just, it's a hard thing to work around. Yeah. But, I've yeah. been noticing uh, like just based on like videos I've been watching and, you know, some commentary on some of the podcast stuff that we've been sharing and stuff mm. is there's a real division between uh, people that like to receive mixed stems dry or wet and mm. and just even the, the conversation around that is really interesting because I think a lot of people see videos on on YouTube and stuff and they like, oh, yeah, of course you have to do it this way or yeah, you have yeah, to do it yeah. that way. Mm. What, how do you like to receive um, stems from a, from an artist? Um, it all depends on the artist at the end mm. of the day. Like I can think of certain artists that I work with where they've got their sound to how they like it, but they know it's not like there. It doesn't have that mm. kind of professional touch if you want to sure. say so with those artists, I'll request like grouped out, like let's just say we're talking vocals, right? Mm -hmm. I'd say grouped out like BVs wet, mm -hmm. lead wet, harmonies wet, mm -hmm. ad libs wet. Yep. And then I'll also get them to send obviously all the dry. Sure. So then it's like when I'm mixing, it's kind of I got this target mm. and I know kind of where to go. Yeah. And it's like I'll get it to that point and then yep. I'll add my thing to it. Yeah, yeah, um, cool. Yeah, but I, I love like – if it's just dry, I'm happy because a lot of artists can't really do their yeah, own yeah, mixes, yeah. but yeah. it depends artist per artist. Like, yeah, it's very interesting. And I like I work with um, uh, a couple of producers that send me stems for mixing and even depending on the vocalist that they have on their productions, mm. it can really like vary how, you know, how dry or wet the stems are and how much processing they like how much compression they put on it and mm. it just makes each mix different yeah, and yeah. i i am more on the i like things dry okay, yep. especially vocals i mean yep. you know, mix, you know mixed song elements yep. like you know drum beats and synths and like yeah ba bake it all thing, in yeah, bake it all in i love thing, that definitely. yeah and, and if a if a producer has a really good handle on how they want a beat to sound yep. Cool. Yeah. I'm all about it. Even give me the beat. Like yeah, I'm totally, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would prefer to have more control course, over it. But vocals, yeah. I am more on the side of give me the dry stuff mm -hmm. just because there are certain things that, you know, that we might do yeah. that give a song a sound or yeah. give our mixes a certain sound. Yeah. Another thing to add to that is a lot of artists, they kind of do a rough mix on their own, but the issue with it, and they might think in their headphones or their speakers that it sounds good, mm. but most of the times what I've found, the people that use headphones is the headphones they have have yeah. like a 10 dB boost <laughs> at 10K <laughs> yeah. and all their stuff very dull yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. and it's like for them, I'm sure you made it sound good with your yeah. system, but it's like listening to it kind of flat sounds pretty bad. Yeah. So it's like, yep. that's what... That's something I wish like a lot of people, it's like a great artists, yeah, yeah, like artists really knew about. Because mm -hmm. then even when they listen to mixes yep. and it might sound dull on those headphones, yep. really it's not. 
Yeah. Or like it might, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, so, no, 100%, 100%. I think it, 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 it's hard because you don't know what you don't know. And mm. um, the best thing that I can offer artists is mm. to, to ask the producer or mixer mm-hmm. um, what they want. Yep. in in advance so that they don't bake things in if they mm-hmm. if we don't want it that way yeah. you know and it just means that the end product you'll get to it easier yeah. but it'll probably also sound a lot better and yeah. so yeah that's that's my two cents on it nah, definitely yeah Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link, paypal.me slash what's that sound. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it. Talk to me about, have you have you had um, kind of any experiences over the past few years where things haven't felt right or like things haven't gone the way that you planned and how did you go about navigating that mm. um in terms of sessions or yeah just in general, or even like, even you know communication yeah, or anything like that i think um i think i've had this a couple times mm-hmm. but it'll be an artist that wants me to mix their stuff yep. and before we start i just make sure like they tell me what they want from it mm-hmm. and yeah, certain certain uh, like certain artists. Sometimes I found they don't like the end result that I do because sure. it's a bit too swayed from their initial reference. Sure. And I think sometimes what I've done is I've just accepted that that's that's how they feel. Yep. Um, but other times I try and make a compromise and I mm. try like explain to them the mm-hmm. reasons why I made certain things sound yeah. the way they did. Yep. And if they don't like like it at the end of the day, like it's up to the client. Like I'm not going to have hurt feelings and try to like fight them on it yeah. and try be like, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, it's, yeah. I just let them because they're the one, it's their music. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, I've had that a few times. And yeah, like I said, I just try, just let them make the final decision. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm going to, I'm going to do a good job, but mm-hmm. if it's not what they want at the end of the day, Mm-hmm. It's not what they want. Totally. And I think um, a lot of that comes down to the communication that happens prior to you doing the job. Mm. And so do you have a, a certain way of going about like, you know, communicating with a new client prior to starting a job or yeah. or is um, it different every time? I mean, it could be, yeah, it's a little bit different every time. Um, but for new, for new artists, I kind of just get them to tell me like, mm-hmm. exactly what they want from mm-hmm. it. And if they kind of in that process of pre-production, let's say, mm-hmm. um, if they have an expectation that I don't think I'm going to be able to meet, mm-hmm. I'll be open and honest before we even begin work. Yeah. Cause then it's like, at least this artist knows like I won't, I might not be able to meet that expectation of that certain thing that they asked yeah. for. So I guess doing that, it removes a bit of pressure also, but mm-hmm. also, um, like disappointing, disappointing mm, the clients. Yeah. Um, because then, yeah, you've kind of let them know. Yeah. That. Well, I think it's 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 good because at the end of the day, we are, and all of all of these conversations mm. revolve around us being in a service industry. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. our job is to provide someone with a service. Yep. You know, they're coming to us with an idea of what they want. 
whether they can explain it very well or not. Mm. All we can do is to try and understand what they want at the end of it yeah. before we've even started it. Yes, yes, and and true. that's where that like that clear communication, being like, tell me more about what you want. Tell mm. me, tell me influences. Give me reference tracks. Yeah. Tell me a great mix that you yeah. loved recently that I can listen to, so I can try and fully understand what that picture is before I even touch the track. And a lot of artists don't know what they want. And that's a hard thing to work around because I've had a few artists like that. Um, And that just makes the process a little bit more difficult and a little bit more experimental. Yeah. But yeah, I think if if it's clear before anything begins, yeah, then it's kind of pressure off both people because it's like, if you don't know what you want, I'm going to try a few things and see what you like. And then we'll see how we go. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a cool place to be as well, because then for me, I, I, I mean, I've started this podcast. I like educating and it's a really important thing for me to help the artists that I work with. Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. working with newer artists because it's like, there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. And when you're at that point where you don't know your sound, you don't know how to do things properly. It's like, cool, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you know, let's organize a session where we can talk about anything, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. It might be marketing. It might be this, it might be that, mm-hmm. but it's a cool place to be in because there's so much that we can offer yeah. with our experience. And, and it's something that you don't think of a lot. Mm. Um, uh, I think it goes both ways too. Though. Yes. Like, I, I, cause I've learned a lot from mm-hmm. artists. Yeah. And it's like working with certain artists, I obviously I'll be teaching them because I'm kind of the same. I like kind of teaching and educating. Um, Mm. But then on the flip side, as I'm in the recording process, let's say, I learn so much from these artists that then I can implement in other artists that are not so experienced. Yeah, give us some examples. So it's kind of like if I was to work with an R&B artist, they're very heavy on background vocals and and harmonies and all this. Mm -hmm. So... Working with then a rap artist, the way that I've found I could teach them and implement it with them is kind of like instead of just doing that one take over that hook, Mm -hmm. double it up. Mm -hmm. Try like this different harmony. Mm -hmm. Try adding certain ad-libs in the the pockets. Mm -hmm. Like try all this stuff and kind of you learn that from working with like the R&B artists that are more experienced in my opinion and my experience. So it's like, yeah, it helps you pass it down to the people with less experience. And then I've found so many times I'll do something and I might even tell an artist, like a a rap artist and I'll be like, do this five times. And I'll be like, nah, I only got to do it in one take. (laughs) I'm like, trust me, do this in five times and let me show you what I mean. And a lot of the times it's really paid off and they're just like, what did you do? And mm-hmm. I'm like, just doubled it up multiple times yeah. and it just gives it that feel that you were after mm-hmm. and it just something that they wouldn't have known to do yeah, because they absolutely. think, oh, it's all in the mix. Yep. But it's like, yep. nah, yep. you got to think of this as a recording yeah. Yeah. artist too. I love it. I, love, I, I think the, I mean, even if you're just an engineer, which I don't know anyone mm. that is just yeah. an engineer, yeah. most pretty much all the engineers I know are producers as well, yeah. but that production element is important when it comes to recording. Mm-hmm. It's important when it comes to mixing mm-hmm. and somewhat mastering, but not yep. as much, but it still allows you to think outside the box and mm-hmm. and having the picture, having the picture in our head of what it needs to be and how to get it. Yep. It's a, that's a, that's what a producer's job is. Definitely. definitely. And I love and that. It's, it's like, yeah, like I just explained, like I hear some of these art, like more inexperienced mm-hmm. artists, I hear their music and I'm like, this is great. 
but it needs that those mm. small things mm. where it's like double up certain things yeah. out of harmony or whatever mm -hmm. to really give it that feeling yeah. that they were trying to do yeah. that I could hear. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. The, the similarity that I can pose is like when <laughs> when I'm like trying to get some weird-ass guitar tone or yeah. putting in some weird synth that's like not – it's like if you listen to this in isolation, you're like this is the worst shit ever. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like trust me when you get to the in end context. of the song, this is going to be the part oh, yeah. in the song that you fucking love. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? definitely. I yeah. agree. I agree yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Let's um let's get nerdy and um let's talk about our favorite pieces of gear. Let's start off with hardware. Um, do you have like favorite microphones or yep. bits of bits of hardware that you love? To be honest, the whole hardware world, like the analog gear, mm -hmm. I'm not big on it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I've just got a small studio mm -hmm. and I'm mainly in the box. Yep. Um, but yeah, one like I currently rock with the TLM103 mic, beautiful, and I love that. Yeah, we got um, that here. It's yep. a I've kind of like in the early days with the microphone, I loved it more. Mm -hmm. But now as I'm getting more experience, I'm kind of realizing, damn, maybe this is like, because for certain vocalists, yeah. it can be very harsh. Yep. Very females, very, especially. Yeah, yeah. Just very harsh. Sibling. And also I found like the low mid range is just hard to control mm, in that, that yep. microphone specifically. Yep. Um, so yeah, but I think it, it comes down to learning your gear as well because mm -hmm. it's like you can have a $15,000 microphone, yep. but if you don't know what that thing's doing, yep. how are you going to do it? Like how are you going to mix it? Like it's truth. So it's like you can mm -hmm. even use a cheap microphone, let's just say, mm -hmm. and get it to sound somewhat good if you mm -hmm. know the ins and outs of that mic. Yeah. You know what it needs in terms of yep. the mix. Um, yep. I think yeah. it's harder for I – mean, I mean I work on a lot of like rock – music and pop music where mm. there's a lot of live instruments mm -hmm. and stuff but for vocals if you are limited to only one mic or two mic yeah. yeah that can be really hard to like figure out man it just doesn't work with this vocalist for some reason it works so well on the other person Definitely. but why isn't it working today is, and you're yeah. right it could be the way they sing it could yeah. be the area that you're recording in you yeah. might have it in a different area of the room like the, anything yeah, the, the distance between where they're singing it. yeah that was a that was a big thing for me because i were i always learned at university like distance between the microphones important but for certain kind of styles mm -hmm. and certain um yeah genres mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. it really plays a difference mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. how close or how far you are to the mic yep. obviously like you kind of need to be in a somewhat treated room to be able mm -hmm. to play with that distance yep. but yeah, I've found like I listen back to some of the mixes I've done and I'm like, why does this sound so good? <laughs> and then some other mixes on the same microphone yep. sound a bit uh, overcompressed and a yeah, bit this. Yeah. And I realize it's, yeah, it has a lot to do with the distance, yep. um, which is something, yeah, that I didn't really pay attention to early days. Yeah, but and now I think I kinda... the, the artist um, – doesn't always know what good mic technique is as well and stuff. And, and they, and I mean, for me, cause I 90% of the time I have the microphone in the other room. Yeah, yeah. And so I can't clearly see, see all the time where they're, where they've got the mic positioned. Yeah. And so I have to kind of trust that it, yeah. and you have to trust your ears and be yeah. like, well, something's off here. Like, why is it a, lot a bit of, duller a lot than of normal? Artists just yeah. like to eat the microphone. <laughs> they like to just be so up yeah. close. And it's like, yeah. 
You know, because a lot of them want to hear themselves more. Mm, yeah. And they just want to be like loud yeah. in their headphones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're sitting there going closer because it's obviously louder. But that's another important thing to know mm. is like, and, and that only comes with time and experience when you know that someone's doing something a certain way. It's like, yo, is, uh, is the vocal not loud enough in your headphones? Or <laughs> yeah. something? Like I'll, I'll turn just, it up yeah. for you. <laughs> like, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Let's um, go software. What, uh, yeah. what door are you using? I'm using Ableton, mm-hmm. Pro Tools. Um, I've dabbled in Logic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ableton and Pro Tools are the main ones yep. um, that talk, I use. Talk us through. Yeah, so Ableton is mainly for production. Mm-hmm. And recently, because I had, I'd say three months ago, I had an issue with my Pro Tools where I bought a new um, MacBook mm-hmm. and it was the M1. Yep. And the whole software is kind of... Yeah, I had some issue with my Pro Tools and a certain plugin, which was auto-tuned, but had this issue and I couldn't, I'd open my session and then it'd just bug out right. on Pro Tools. Yeah, so then yeah. I'm like, shit. And I had people coming through. And I'm like, I need to make this work. I <laughs> yeah. need to like yeah, yeah, yeah. figure this out. And I was, mm-hmm. I was on the phone every day to yeah. Avid and whatever. And then it forced me to like use Ableton for not only production, but mixing too mm-hmm. and recording. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of like yeah. had to really, cause I've usually just main, uh, mainly used Man, Ableton Ableton's for production. A, a, like it's so difficult for me to understand, man. Like anyway, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for, for recording, it's like yeah, it's, it's like probably know. one of the hardest softwares to use. Definitely, for definitely. Yeah. But I kind of just made it work for that short period mm. of time, and it made me force force myself Good. to learn mixing on that. Yeah. But yeah, I mainly use Pro Tools for the mm-hmm. recording and mm-hmm. the mixing and yep. mastering stage. Yep. Um, I've tried producing in Pro Tools, yep. and nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The median nope. integration it's just is not happening. It's not happening. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, nice. And uh let's uh let's go like uh you know uh VST. So I was trying to yeah, think of yeah, the word. Yeah, but yeah. um so EQ, let's start with EQ. Um always always jumping for the Pro Q, yeah. which is just a given. Um yeah, but one thing one thing I've changed since coming back from my seminar not mm-hmm. too long ago is we'll talk not, about that by yes, the way. Let's yes, let's keep not, going with the software though. Not using um like your eyes as much yep. and using more your ears. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of tried to I, I experimented with turning off the graphic display of yep. the pro q yep um and that was very interesting mm. but yeah i'd say the pro q um there's another one called dseq yep um i love it it's by tb pro audio cool i love that thing um it's kind of like a soothe okay yeah um where it's yep. like a dynamic resonance suppressor sick um and then also i love using like the c4 yeah um yeah, yeah you were just... the one that told me about using it as a uh, DSer back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the C1. You were yeah, C1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I use the C1 here and there too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the C1 is cool too. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially <laughs> I, for... I never even thought about it. It was yeah. like, it was one of those like, whoa, yeah, this is actually pretty sick. It does because yeah. I love the like the look ahead thing. Yeah. The look ahead feature. Um yeah. it really grabs those S's. Um mm-hmm. it is a bit harsh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it grabs mm-hmm. them. Um I yeah, think I think software's ones. come a long way since those old uh, waves yeah, plugins, yeah. unfortunately for them. But nah, also, I hate their business model. But anyway, <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, what they, about uh, compressors? Compressors. Um, I'm always reaching for the Arcom okay. by Waves. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Simplicity. It's it's just good. Transparent. Yeah, it's yeah. just really good. I mm-hmm, found. Mm-hmm. Um, I reach for the Arvox as well, very mm-hmm, simple, mm-hmm. but it's got this nice character, oh, yeah. especially for vocals. Yeah. Um, the CLA 2A, mm-hmm. um, I love that thing. Yep. I can't, I haven't been able to really work the 76. Right. 
Don't know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the waves one. I just don't mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I haven't been able to work that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, we'll talk through that yeah, after this podcast. I, another <laughs> done. Um, another good EQ plugin yeah. that I use is it's from Apogee. It came with my interface. Yep. It's the EQ P1, which is a pool tech. Cool. It's like an emulation yeah, of that. Yeah, yep. And yeah, I love, love, love the sound tech. of that thing. Yeah. Like especially for kicks, 808s. Mm-hmm. That thing just yep. yeah, brings, it, yeah, brings it like yep. all up. Um, I love I love using pool techs on live basses and kick drums. But yeah. um yeah, there there is something about that uh bottom end that just like gives it this like pillowy warmth mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. not many other EQs can achieve. I agree. Because they end up distorting. Yeah. I found the pool tech doesn't i don't know why but it just feels so warm yeah Yeah, it's smooth Mm -hmm. smooth Smooth. yeah it it just adds what you need yeah you just turn it up a little bit and you're like oh yeah (laughs) it just gives you what you've been missing Um, yeah what other vsts do you have that you're like couldn't live without um let me think auto tune yep i think that's very um yeah it's just (laughs) yeah it is yeah it's just it's it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you always using just the auto mode? Do you use graphical mode much or anything like that? Um, or? No, I just use the auto mode to yep. be honest. Um, yep. But one thing, because I work with R and B artists a lot, one thing I find if the artist likes the sound of auto tune, mm-hmm. most of the times you don't put auto tune on them. But mm-hmm. if they like that sound. Mm-hmm. What I found is they're doing a lot of things out of scale. So it's like you can't just set up E yeah, flat minor yeah, yeah, yeah. and hope that it's going to yeah. work because a lot yep. of the times they're jumping out. So it's like you got to automate the little piano yeah. notes at the bottom to yep. activate them at certain times and yeah. deactivate them. Um, so, awesome. yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, what are the plugins? Um, what are you using to like to make beats? Like what – how – like – Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I use Expand 2. It's okay. like a stock Pro Tool. It comes with Pro Tools. Right. But you could also buy it outright. And I, I bought it and I use it for production. This thing is just like a – it's got every kind of sound that cool. you can think of. It's got like leads. It's got pads. Sick. It's got keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brass stuff. It's just yeah. this one-stop shop. And yeah. I tell everyone, I'm like, the sounds are pretty bad. <laughs> like stock straight out. But yeah. it's like what you do with them. And yeah. I find because they have a very simple like in strip back bass, yep. it allows a lot of room for me to be creative mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And because it's a, a VST that has all the sounds there, yep. I just load that in. It barely yep. takes up any CPU and yep. just go hard with it. Yeah, and I find myself every production i find myself with that yeah like yeah. on every production yeah um and then yeah i'm big on i'm big on using splice too mm-hmm. um i love that thing it's just it's yeah. cool it's cool like yeah, you, yeah instant yeah instant inspiration mm-hmm. even when you feel like if you haven't used any samples and you're creating production from scratch mm-hmm. You need something to elevate it to that mm-hmm. next level. You just jump or splice, yep. kind of find a rough tempo or whatever, and then mm-hmm. chuck it in. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, another thing, I don't really use too many VSTs to be honest. Yeah. I just use the stock drum rack, yeah, drum yeah. rack yep. from Ableton. I use the stock sampler for eight oh eight. I think that's cool as well, man. Like, I've, yeah, another producer that uh, who was on the podcast Supreme, he he was similar. He's like, yeah. there's just not. I mean. When you have a good idea of not only the understanding of the tools that you're using, but also the end picture yeah. and you know your tools, yeah. it's like, I know how to get there. 
Definitely. And you just don't need that much. It's yeah, like you you're don't. not experimenting you that much. And yeah, and, and if you're in a session, you don't want to be sitting there for yeah. an hour trying to find a sound no. with the client. Client's no. going to be like, fucking hurry up. Yes. Like- <laughs> that's one thing, yeah, one thing um, that like people think you need all this gear and yeah. they think you need the best plugins. It's yep. like, no, like you really don't. Mm-hmm. You just need to learn what you want and how to achieve that because yep. you can use stock stuff. I mm-hmm. can definitely produce a song with just stock sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And plugins, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, nice, man. Um, well, I like to um, finish off these podcasts with getting some advice. I mean, you've already given us a ton, but mm-hmm. I just will, first of all, for producers that might be in their first few years mm-hmm. of producing, let's mm-hmm. let's start with them and then artists. Yeah, I think production um, something I could give it an advice for production. It would be to listen to a lot of different genres. Mm-hmm. Um, find out what you like, like the certain elements and the mm-hmm. feeling that you like from those different genres. Yeah. And try to implement it yourself. Mm-hmm. And like if you're not as musically talented mm-hmm. to be able to play that mm-hmm. out by yourself, I think learn how to manipulate like MIDI. Learn how to manipulate MIDI to make it sound somewhat real if that's mm-hmm. what you're going mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Um also, I'd say it's all just um, how passionate you are and how much you want to learn and expand yeah. your knowledge. It's like if you want to get into production, you got to spend countless hours producing but also learning. Yeah. So be on YouTube endlessly. Like I'm always yeah. up. Like yeah. when I'm having breakfast in the morning, yep. I'm on YouTube. Yep. When I'm like, when I'm taking a break, I'm just on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And it maybe it's a bad thing no, but dude, it's right knowledge overload. It's, it's knowledge so overload. Like, I'll sit um, up. I'll sit up a, ch- a chair. Yeah. It's not in frame, but there's a, a chair and I'll put my fucking food on there and I'll watch a YouTube over yeah. while I'm eating lunch. Yeah. Otherwise um, I'm outside, but yeah. Yeah. Um, that, um, yeah, for production, I think. Engineers? What about engineering and mixing? And yeah, engineering, mastering? I'd say learn the tools, mm. learn the tools, but learn the basics mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Like learn EQ, yep. really learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, learn compression yeah just like because compressor compression in my opinion is a bit daunting Mm. because it's like Mm -hmm. we just watch we just watch youtube videos they have their preset and you just already understand how to use a compressor exactly and you just somewhat copy it yeah yeah. but if you really break down and you go extreme on a compressor to hear what it's doing Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's super important and the different tones that each compressor has really Mm. really gives you a palette to yeah. know which compressor to use in which scenario, yeah. you know, and yeah, like the tones from all the different types of compressors and some of them have different knobs on them. Yeah. So understanding what each of those means, mm. some of them work different ways. you got to mm. push the sound into some compressors like a 76, whereas you got to lower the threshold for other yeah. ones. So there's, yeah, there's it's heaps to compression. Also, yeah. also I think for mixing, a big thing that took me a decent amount of time to really understand is – because you're hearing something on one system, it doesn't mean that's exactly what you're mm. hearing. It's like like we spoke about earlier. If mm. you're putting on these cheap headphones, they've got a bump at 100 hertz for like 6 dB. Yep. And you think your bass is right. Yep. And then you think your top end's right. But it's a, yeah. another, yeah. 100%. So you got to, I think it's really pay attention to your system and learn what mm. you've got. Yeah. Um, test it out on multiple different um, systems just yep. to really get an understanding because I found for a long time my mixes weren't translating. And mm. I was like, 
why? Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I did some research and I realized I'm like, shit, these like headphones I'm using or shit, these monitors I'm using yep. has this that is yep. causing these mixes not to be translatable. Yep. Um, so I would say a big thing with mixing is, yeah, learn what you use. Yep. Like your your monitors, yeah. your headphones. Yeah, yeah Love all it. of that, definitely. And what about some uh, advice for artists that are just starting out? Yeah. Um, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, I would just say collaborate with as many people as possible. Mm, Yeah. I think because, yeah, I just, I notice a lot of the time, a lot of the artists, like they get an ego Mm -hmm. and they don't want to like work with people Mm because they believe they're like not as good as them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, by doing that, Mm -hmm. you're shooting yourself in the foot because that artist you think is not that good. Everyone else might love that artist and think they're great <laughs> overnight or however long they yep. might just take yep. off mm-hmm. and then you look a bit you like left fool. in the dust. Yep. Yeah. Um, I love it. But I think it's also like a learning thing too. Mm-hmm. Like collaboration is just huge across the board, mm-hmm. um, mixing, production. Yeah. I think you have to. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I'm glad that I do a lot is just, yeah, always working with different people to learn. Yep. Because like one of my uni teachers said, it's like you, you've got a tool belt. And it's like you learn stuff from people and you just mm-hmm. add that to your tool belt. Yep. And then you just whip it out when you need it. Yep. Um, you might not always go by what they say, but it's like it's there. Yeah. So it's like, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. I love that, man. Yeah, I think that's important. I love it. Well, yeah. um, where can people find you online? Yep. Um, Instagram, Iconic Beats with two S's. Um, and yeah, Spotify, mainly yeah, we'll, Instagram. We'll have though. the links in the show mainly notes Instagram, anyway. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, sick, man. Anything that you want to plug before we head off? Um, no, not really to be honest. Nah, all good, all good. Uh, actually, before we go, yeah. this is for people that have lasted this long. Tell us a bit about your recent, um, just in a few minutes. From, yeah. yeah, your recent trip. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was unreal. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize, well, it was with Leslie Breathwaite, by yeah. the way. It was at Mixed with the Masters in France. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was eye-opening. Yeah. It was very crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. He, It was just it was obviously information overload. Yeah, yeah. But he he mainly just taught us to not get so caught up mm-hmm. in like numbers yeah. and like what you visually, like what mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. It's like mixing, it's about ears and what we hear and what you yeah. feel. Yeah. So it's like a lot of the times I, in the past, have got caught up with mm-hmm. like, oh, this needs to be negative five or yeah, this yeah. needs to be yeah. this value or this needs 100, yeah. 100 hertz roll off. Yeah. When it's like, nah, like just, listen. Di- just listen to yeah. it. It's, yeah. Yeah. I um, love that. Well, that's a really, really, really good point to finish on, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. awesome, man. But um, thank you again. No and uh, thanks to you all for listening and watching. Really oh. appreciate your time. If you could do us a favor and share it with a friend or share it on your socials, it goes a long way. And make sure to hit follow or subscribe so you get up to date with any new episode that comes out. We will see you next time on What's That Sound Podcast. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.